Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? <laughs> doing really good. We just had an incredible interview with Paulo Arduino. Paulo is the CTO of Bitfinex and Tether, and he was able to speak to a lot of things that I think are really misunderstood about um, Bitfinex and Tether, as well as jump into how he views this technology changing the world and changing business. This was a really illuminating episode. But before we get into it, let's talk about our fantastic sponsors. First and foremost is eToro. Thank you, eToro, for sponsoring us for over six months. It's been great representing you guys, and um, I'm a really big fan of your product. First and foremost, it is a one-stop shop for everything you need in crypto investing. You can stack sats and pull it off onto your wallet. You can use their copy trader feature to get access to the best trader strategy without having to do anything. It's completely passive. You can use index investing. It really has everything. Uh, eToro is a great spot. Again, if you want to get a free ticket to Bitcoin 2020, go to Bitcoin2020conference.com backslash eToro and sign up there. Next, Unchained Capital. I use Unchained Capital all the time. Unchained is the way that I manage uh, one of my multi-sig instances, and they make it super, super easy. You just connect your ledger, you just connect your Trezor, and soon you'll be able to just connect your cold card. But really what Unchained Capital is doing is they are a Bitcoin native financial institution. And because they're Bitcoin native, they leverage native Bitcoin multi-sig. All of their solutions, their easy multi-sig vault, their Bitcoin backed loans are all built on multi-sig and all of their future solutions are going to be built on multi-sig and leverage multi-sig, which means that you always have custody of your funds. Your funds are ne- never rehypothecated. Um, and it, it just it's a new level of banking that was never possible before with fiat. And it's possible because of Bitcoin and Unchained is making that is making that available and and comfortable for the average person. I would sign my mom up for Unchained Capital to hold her Bitcoins. It's that easy. So make sure to check out Unchained Capital, unchained-capital.com. Make sure to check them out on Twitter at Unchained Cap. They got a bunch of really good content and education as well. Go to their blog. Big shout out to the team. And thank you so much for sponsoring the show. We brought Paulo Arduino from Bitfinex onto POV to talk all things Bitfinex, which is a very large ecosystem. Talked a ton about Tether from Genesis to where it is today to where it will be tomorrow. Tether is looking to get integrated into the DeFi ecosystem, which really will bring three total liquid stablecoins onto the, the DeFi world between DAI, USCC, and Tether. Tether's a gargantuan when it comes to total market cap and total liquidity. So that introducing that asset into DeFi will be interesting. And without further ado, we bring you Paulo Arduino. All right, everyone. I am super excited to bring an incredibly influential and just high profile figure in the crypto space to POV Crypto. We have the CTO of Bitfinex, Paulo Arduino. Paulo, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. 
Paulo, I'm really excited for this talk just because Bitfinex, there's good things said about it, bad things said about it, but I think what is undeniable is how influential Bitfinex has been on the space. First with, you know, really bringing a next level trading platform to Bitcoin and then innovating and really kind of trailblazing this idea of a stable coin with Tether. You know, again, like I said, I can't think of a more innovative uh, company and you have kind of been at the heart of it since uh, I believe 2015. Uh, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the crypto space? I started in the crypto space, let's say not too early, around 2012, 2013. At that time, I had my startup uh, in London um, developing an online portfolio management, management system for uh, hedge funds and uh, small banks. I mean, really boring stuff, I must say. But uh, yeah, well, what was interesting? I mean, I spent uh, all, almost my working career uh, dedicating to um, finance. Um, but my real skills, my uh, background is in scalable application, distributed systems, and uh, parallel computing. Then, you know, uh, coming from Italy, you, you, you don't find many places where to apply these skills. So I said, well, why not um, finance? So why not apply my knowledge in, in um, scalable systems to finance? So I started that uh, cloud portfolio management system in London. And then I, uh, I started playing around uh, with Bitcoin as well in 2012, 2013. And um, in late 2014, just a few days before my wedding, I had the opportunity to start um, consulting for Bitfinex. Thanks to the, well, um, thanks to the CFO, we, we met in London, we liked each other. Um, my, my first um, task was trying to uh, improve the matching engine at that time. That was quite slow. Um, then given my background, I could improve it by, I would say, um, more than 1,000 times in, in a few weeks. And then basically my 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 main objective there in Bitfinex was keep working on improving the, the infrastructure and um, basically the matching engine AD APIs. If you think about it, uh, till the end of 2015, Bitfinex order book was only refreshing uh, every 10, 15 seconds, something like that, was REST-based. Uh, then my, one of my main focus was working uh, to add web sockets, uh, streaming APIs, and um, while keep improving uh, the matching engine. Then in 2016, after mid-2016, uh, after a certain event and due to a certain event, uh, I was asked to become the CTO of, of this company. I started enjoying the run quite hard there. I mean, I closed my, shut down my former company and decided to fully focus on, on Bitcoin and, and making Bitfinex great. Um, and then eventually in 2017, I became, uh, end of 2017, I also became the CTO of Tether. That's a great recap. I, I, I want to explore maybe a little bit more about the genesis of Tether, because I think Tether is one of the most interesting things in this space at large, and I think has a, a, lot, a, a lot of the, the topics I want to cover. So maybe, maybe you can kind of give the, the beginnings of, of Tether and how that's evolved as a product. Sure. I mean, if you think about it, Tether is one of the most interesting projects in, in crypto, because I believe that uh, crypto is is a game changer in the entire financial system. So I'm also a big fan of a circular economy, right? Where you every you know what is in crypto stays in crypto, and I'm, I'm and it's great, right? You you earn in crypto, you spend in crypto, you travel with crypto, 
all, all is really nice. But we cannot hide behind, hide behind the finger. Uh, we need um, the traditional fiat money to flow into crypto. And since, um, of course, banks always represented a, a friction for the crypto industry, Tether was born to improve that aspect, to make it easier for people to bring money in and act as a fiat on ramp while offering a stable value, a stable coin that allowed people to keep, to not be subject to volatility and uh, use that as a mean of exchange. It was a base pair, pair against, uh, instead of dollar. So, you know, in 2014, um, the, the Tether, a group of, uh, well, Bitcoin enthusiasts were uh, running exchanges and were basically really big into it. And they understood that the problem, the real problem of um, Bitcoin becoming mainstream was what is uh, called price discovery. So in 2013, uh, end of 2013, the Bitcoin price went to $1,000, a bit more, $1,000. And in different, on different exchanges, the price was floating even 20% from one exchange to another. I mean, that is not acceptable, right? I mean, between traditional exchanges, you have few basis points different. You cannot have for, for a currency 20% discrepancy. So, I mean, and, and usually how you, how traders, the arbitrageurs are the ones that should keep the price in sync. But you cannot do that with wires. I mean, we know that wires take from one to five days to settle. And what about during the weekends? I mean, you cannot send easily a wire or during the weekend. So the, the great idea, everyone today talks about uh, stable coins, but really the great idea that was uh, conceived by this, um, this group of, uh, of geniuses behind Tether was why we don't create a, a surrogate of dollar that can be used to, that can have the same settlement performance, the same settlement speed than Bitcoin, and can be adopted by as many as exchanges as possible to ensure that the price discovery remains uh, efficient. And Tether was born for that reason in 2014. And then in 2015, there was the first issuance. Between 2015 and 2016, there was much of a... Um, um, adoption, it was quite hard to explain the concept to other exchanges. Seems crazy. I mean, no, today everyone used Tether, but in 2015, 2016, only a few exchanges understood the potential. Then, uh, you know, in 2015, I believe that um, in 2016, uh, China started to be a bit more aggressive on crypto. So a few exchanges had to shut down in China. And when they're open, they had to use Tether. They started adopting Tether as a stable a surrogate of a, of a fiat currency because they didn't want to go through, again, all the, 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 the banking um, uh, issues. And then in 2017, uh, many exchanges like Wobi and OKX that were really well established added Tether. And then Binance was born and uh, Bitrex and Polonix, everyone had Tether. And the arbitrage efficiency went through the roof. It was so perfect. I mean, there were only a few basis points of, of discrepancy with, um, between all the exchanges because everyone was being settled. Every single pair, every single currency, every single token, every single ICO was traded against Tether mainly. So that, that made Tether really what we know to, we, 
we know about it today. So it's the, the, the base currency for the entire crypto space. Hope you hope that that was a, a nice recap. Oh, that, that was great. And that, that brings me right into my next question. Uh, I've always viewed Tether as kind of the Bitcoin of stable coins. Uh, its market cap is so much larger than all the other market cap of other stable coins. Its liquidity is so much greater. Why do you attribute these qualities to, to Tether, in, in your opinion? Do you think that it's just because of the first mover advantage? Uh, why is Tether such a, a, a larger, more dominant uh, stablecoin than all the other stablecoins in terms of uh, total, vo- total, uh, total value and liquidity? You know, uh, the first move, uh, mover advantage is clear, right? I mean, we started in 2014 and the first competitor, the first big competitor started in 2018. So, you know, they started after all the fun was over. So they started when the entire, uh, the, the, basically the price of crypto started to decline quite significantly. So uh, there, there was enough time for Tether to become really, really dominant and make its position much stronger. Uh, then also the fact that I believe that one thing that uh, is not really well understood by the competition still is the fact that te- the, that a stable coin needs to be cross-chain, right? Every single blockchain has its own um, uh, group of enthusiasts, right? I mean, uh, Bitcoiners, um, you know, one you are one Bitcoin maximalist, one Ethereum maximalist, right? So Bitcoiners, um, um, Ethereum's, um, then there is a big Ethereum community. There is a well, whatever EOS community, um, uh, Algorand community, right? All these communities. What? So the beauty of Tether is that it understood that a stablecoin needs to be the link between all these communities. Because a stable coin, different stablecoins on different current blockchains will not have the same traction, the same liquidity, uh, and the same interest from from the traders and from and, and from a utility point of view than having one stable stablecoin spread across multiple blockchains. I have talked about how Tether is really interesting because it really commoditizes blockchain space. Can you kind of talk about? Like how that, is it strictly for marketing reasons and to attract different communities? Or is there some, uh, you know, additional utility that comes from kind of operating across all these different uh, blockchains? Honestly, it's a bit of, uh, of both, right? So it's really, is a bit more nuanced than that. As you know, Tether started from Omni blockchain um, that is uh, secured by the Bitcoin uh, network. What if, Tether didn't move or didn't decide to add um, Ethereum, right? We would have lost, first of all, in confirmation times and all the DeFi space. So that was clearly the, uh, the right move, right? Then um, Tether decided to move uh, towards, um, we, uh, Tether added Tron. And um, Tron then uh, made um, Tether, as, um, uh, Tether on Tron available on a lot of websites, for example, Pornhub. So that is a big marketing move and a big utility push, right? So the more communities you explore, you serve, the more use cases they will find, they will work for you, right? So is utility, is um, expansion. And what if, I mean, if you don't do it, if Tether don't do it, others will do it and we will lose uh, potentially some battles. We want to remain, we don't want to lose any battle. We want to be um, uh, as much as we can 
uh, the king of the space. So um, for us, it's important to keep the first mover advantage um, as much as we can. So speaking of advantageous moves, Tether did recently move over to Ethereum and very quickly, a very significant portion of Tether volumes moved over to Ethereum. Can you talk about that move in particular and uh, why we see, you know, 40, 50, 60% of Tether volume on Ethereum now? Few people know that really the, the smart contract, the Ethereum smart contract for Tether was created in late 2017. If I'm not wrong, it was December 2017. The reason was that if, if you recall in late 2017, the, the Bitcoin transactions fees went to the, through the roof. Uh, also because only few exchanges were implementing batching and so on. So there was, um, I mean, some, at some point it was costing like few hundred dollars sending tethers around. It was, was really incredibly costly. So um, Ethereum was uh, definitely, uh, there, uh, we, we look into Ethereum uh, to have a better and, well, cheaper way for our traders and for every trader using Tether, not only Bitfinex traders, to, um, to, to, to send Tether around. I like the fact that uh, in my job I can wear different hats. And although I really love and I'm really into Bitcoin, I'm kind of forced to, to, uh, to, to wear hats because I need to serve the companies I work for, right? I need to be fair to the companies I work for. So it is important to me to say, okay, I like Bitcoin, but Ethereum in, uh, in this moment has cheaper, uh, cheaper fees, has, uh, can provide uh, additional utility to to um, to tether, so it is important for us to explore it. We did that, and the community then the communities will cho- choose always. So, um, for for me, is about creating a technology and let users cho- choose what they prefer. In this case, seems that the major the the users, the tether users, and the traders found more use. To use uh, into using uh, Tether on Ethereum blockchain rather than on Omni or other blockchains in this moment. In the future, maybe things will change. I mean, we added many other blockchains, and we don't know. But um, for the moment, Ethereum is a clear winner. With Ethereum, there is the outside ecosystem, which is where you buy and sell Ether versus Tether or any other stablecoin. U.S. dollars on exchanges, but then there's also the inside ecosystem of Ethereum, the, the DeFi ecosystem, where DAI primarily dominates with uh, USDC also in tandem. Uh, so, what's Tether's vision with with DeFi and in, 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 and it's getting its stablecoin adopted in other DeFi applications? Well, I cannot share too much, but we have some good news uh, coming from DeFi uh, and some really interesting and big partnerships between Tether and some DeFi projects. So I believe that uh, that will be a game changer for for the DeFi space. So inside of DeFi, the most uh, liquid stablecoin that's that's backed by US dollars is USDC. But like we've talked about Tether as a market cap and and total liquidity outside of DeFi just completely dominates. Uh, And I I, I think I see this as just because uh, the USDC is inside of the United States. Therefore, you know, things inside of the United States move slower. Uh, just the regulatory friction is just much higher. Uh, and, and I think, and I say that that I, w- I would attribute uh, part of Tether's success is just being outside of, of the United States and being able to just move faster. Uh, is that something that you're in alignment with or do you, do you see a different path 
to, to why uh, Tether is so much more dominant versus USDC? Well, first of all, um, uh, Tether is regulated, right? It's, register, it's registered with FinCEN and so on. Um, I believe that Tether, once again, has a better approach in terms of serving customers. You know, we, um, at Tether, we don't pretend to, to, to uh, every single, you know, every time there is an issuance or redemption, so users acquire already in Tether, they need to go through a verification process, right? And the fact is that if you do that for any amount of Tether, it is really painful and costly. So many of the, 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 the competition is using automated processes. And these automated processes, from my understanding, are well suited for U.S. While, so if you are outside of the U.S., they are more, sli- more, more likely to fail. And it is really annoying for the customers. While and, um, uh, Tether has uh, decided to only have a threshold for a bigger threshold for um, issuance redemption. So it's $100,000. So you have lower customers with higher profile and you can really focus on onboarding gateways that, that can then uh, sell tethers to, to, to others, right? So you are basically having brokers instead of uh, uh, working directly with retails. And that helped tether to grow faster and better. So to, to reduce the, um, the friction uh, while maintaining a really thorough um, KYC and onboarding process. Because if you do it manually, you are more, more likely to, um, you, you have to really evaluate every single detail of the customer. You have to be more precise, right? If you have an automated procedure, it's not as good as a team of really well-trained investigators and compliance, compliance managers that, that go through every single document, right? So we decided to go on, in a different path and that, that paid uh, well, I believe. So the, the reason why so many individuals like myself who don't have $100,000 in, in cash ready to go in and out of Tether still use Tether is because other people can. So like the value of Tether at being at $1 is because somebody can go in and out of the bridge that, that Tether provides, um, even though like you with your you know, $1,000 or $2,000 worth of Tether that you have on your account even though you can't do that, the fact that somebody can is, is what allows for that Tether to be to retain $1. Uh, the last I checked, however, Tether was like 73%. Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, there's 73% uh, of the assets in reserve versus the total Tether that has been uh, distributed. Is that the same? Is that about the, the correct number there is today? Well, we paid back $200 million from Bitfinex Tether, first of all. So I guess that the percentage needs to be updated. And also okay. the, the backing is, uh, I mean, um, backing in fiat is one thing, but uh, Tether is fully backed by um, different other assets, right? So that right. was the blue point of, um, um, of Tether. Right, of course. And, and it seems like this is like the Libra model, right? Like this is, or the original Libra model before... Uh, the U.S. government decided to hamstring them and say, no, you must be U.S. dollars only. Like Libra wanted to have like a basket of assets that would accrue interest in the background and that would the interest of the of the outs of the issued uh, Libra tokens, the, the interest from what would be in the bank would be the, the business model for, for the Libra Association. Uh, and that seems to be what, what you guys are doing with your with your you know, backings of, of assets. Uh, you know, the, the interest in the bank or the interest of the assets uh, is, is how you guys generate revenue from providing the service of Tether. So how do you guys see Libra c- 
coming into this market? Like, do you see Libra as a competitor? How are you guys uh, positioning yourselves to to work with or against Libra when it when it if it doesn't eventually come into the into the game? Well, I mean, I'm not sure about. Uh, I mean, I, I believe that Libra made a big mistake in uh, in trying to serve uh, well to use a, a basket of different currencies because that clearly upset uh, many countries. Uh, I believe that. You know, um, if you if you try to serve, if you try to serve, uh, let's say dollars and Swiss francs and uh, GBP and many other currencies, then is is likely that every single national bank will be upset because they will have they will see a lot of um, inflows and outflows. Especially the U.S. will will see that Facebook is going to help other. Uh, fiat uh, national currencies to become widely adopted, right? So I always thought that it was a bad move for Facebook doing moving that direction, um, and now I believe that they decided to move back in and only using uh, USDT USD as a main currency for for their stablecoin. I believe that in this moment, with all the concerns about privacy that Facebook has. It will be hard for Facebook to pull it off. I believe that even in that case, even if Facebook, of course, pull it off, and I mean, if if they do it, of course, it's fine. I mean, I believe that Tether has its own niche, has its own different business model, uh, and also Tether is bound to the crypto ecosystem, where we really um, take seriously uh, users' privacy. So, um, and it's one of the things that one of the reasons why we don't use automated procedures uh, just going back to the point before is because we want to keep tether customers private information safe with us we don't share it with third parties if you said if you have automated uh, procedures you use you have to share all this information with third parties because they will do the verification for you they will they will run algorithms to verify um, customer information, right? So, of course, that will apply also for, for to Facebook. That uh, my understanding is that they are quite used to, I mean, to, to use the information you give them for for things that might threaten a privacy. At least, I mean, from my point of view or my understanding, right? And that is the entire thing that scares the the, uh, the parliament in uh, in um, in US and uh, all over the world. So. Even Facebook, if, even if Facebook pull it off, doesn't mean that they will be um, adopted by everyone. So I believe that Tether still have its own niche that can be not just a niche, but can be still a big market. Paulo, I want to zoom out a little bit and talk more about Bitfinex and the type of company that Bitfinex resembles to me. I'm not sure if you've read The Sovereign Individual, but it's a pretty popular book amongst the cryptocurrency um, circles. And it kind of talks about this future that's enabled by technology that is going to allow people and companies and organizations to have a lot more geographical freedom and jurisdictional freedom and the ability to um, arbitrage all of that. I see Bitfinex as a kind of company that is really resembling that in these early days of cryptocurrencies and like really thriving under this model. And, uh, and since Bitfinex, we've seen other exchanges kind of take up this 
regulatory arbitration type of a strategy, similar to BitMEX, FTX, Binance, some of the most successful companies in the space. Can you kind of talk about how you view operating as a global country or company um, and how Bitcoin and crypto enables that? So um, that is an interesting question. So, of course, when you are um, a global, global company, you would like to serve as many customers as you can. But, of course, there are prohibited jurisdictions and jurisdictions you, you don't want to work uh, in, right? Uh, for example, Bitfinex um, withdrew from the U.S. quite some time ago uh, because the, um, the complexity of being involved in, in that system was too high. You, you have always to make choices. And you, you need to make sure that you are not stepping on the toes of, of regulators, but instead respecting regulator, regulations all around the world, wherever you have customers, right? So if a jurisdiction says, well, you cannot serve my, my customers, you, you have to stop uh, right away or amend uh, your policies to respect the, the ask of, um, of, uh, of that jurisdiction. Uh, so we, I mean, I'm really proud that uh, that Bitfinex is uh, is uh, well since the long history since 2012 has been uh, also one of the most um, attentive um, companies in uh, regarding this. I mean, our compliance officer and the entire compliance team is really uh, following all these um, regulatory requirements. Uh, there were plenty of occasions where our teams. Um, um, and our CEO um, helped the law enforcement all around the world in so many jurisdictions with our, thanks to our Bitcoin and crypto knowledge to, to explain things, to help, to draft things. Um, so it's, uh, it's not just uh, that uh, an exchange is waiting in fear uh, for new regulations. It's also part of an exchange since uh, it's made by really experienced people in the crypto industry to help regulations, to help, help regulators to draft the, the, a better regulation for the growth of the, the ecosystem. I want to, to give you an example. So right now, I mean, in 2019, 2020, uh, we all know that deriv the derivatives market was um, booming and started booming in 2019 and uh, also in 2020. So many exchanges launched their futures uh, platforms, right? Only one exchange that is um, that is Bitfinex decided uh, to launch its new product um, through Ifinex Technologies. Launched this product that only accepted verified customers. And one might think, and some customers actually think, but well, why are you shooting your feet? Because everyone else accepts unverified customers. And we decided we. In Bitfinex, we know that eventually regulations uh, on the derivatives market will, will step in and might step in really hard. So we decided to start fresh and start in, on, in the right way. That is, for this particularly um, uh, leveraged products, you can go up to 100x. You have to be really cautious and you need to understand if the customer that is going to play with this, these tools is um, is um, who is him, right? You don't want to have, uh, you want to, to know he, your own customer, even the type of uh, product that he's going to, to, to use. Of course, this makes the adoption of uh, our derivatives platform quite harder than the competition, but we believe that is the right choice. 
I'm a big fan of freedom, privacy, and peer-to-peer and decentralization. But at the same time, you have to respect um, uh, rules and jurisdictions. So that is why this is a good example of why how Bitfinex decided to go in a different path than the entire industry. And it will pay off, in my opinion. Paulo, can you talk about how Bitcoin and other crypto enable Bitfinex to operate in this kind of manner? Um, I'm, I'm just kind of interested, like, how how does, yeah, I guess, like, how does uh, Bitfinex, I guess, view itself um, as an organization compared to something like Apple or, or something that is more traditional? You know, I, um, I believe that um, we are in uh, in a place in Bitfinex, but in general in, in the crypto space to to change how companies work so um Bitfinex don't have uh, an office uh because i believe that we have to respect the um, the entire idea of uh, of basically the the entire basically philosophy of Bitcoin and crypto in general. Everyone talks about just decentralization. I, I feel better, I feel more loyal to, to Bitcoin and crypto if I can run a company that is fully decentralized. I, I, I wouldn't like to call myself the Google of crypto or um, Apple of crypto. I believe that the beauty of our ecosystem is that it is really peer-to-peer. Also, the way we communicate, the fact that every single, you know, every, I see my developers as pretty nodes, right? Where everyone is, 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 uh, you know, uh, creating code and validating code of uh, anyone else, of everyone else in the company. So it's like a really small blockchain, I believe, uh, with, instead of blocks, you have git commits. Um, and it's so beautiful to see. I mean, I, I, I cannot describe a, a better feeling. Uh, really, and uh, I think that only crypto, only in crypto, you can have something like this. Would you consider Bitfinex uh, decentralized finance? Um, Bitfinex is offering uh, decentralized finance tools in a centralized manner. While we are exploring and doing as uh, we are um, creating more and more. Uh, tools to so we are doing a lot of R and D in order to become a more and more decentralized platform, also in terms of offering, right? Because right now the matching engine is in a way in a single location, right? You cannot; it's not a decentralized matching engine. Because I believe that uh, I mean there are plenty of nice projects that um, that enable you to trade on on chain, but the problem is that. You cannot go to 100,000 orders per second. Uh, it is not scalable, right? So um, the infrastructure needed to reach 1 million orders per second is, is even more unlikely to happen on chain. So now there are different projects born to, to still have a, a centralized matching, but uh, uh, publish the proof of matching and uh, basically the um, um, the uh, Merkle trees hash hashes for um, um, the, as derivation of the the matches that happen on the centralized matching engine on the Ethereum blockchain. They are really cool, but I believe that if uh, for now for the next couple of years at least, centralized platform will be still dominant. But Bitfinex is um, is um, 
investing a lot of money and time in uh, developing um, tools that can that uh, that will uh, work on a really decentralized manner. I'm not a big fan of things that happen fully on chain, but uh, what I like more and what I'm focusing more is things that happen peer to peer. So my one of my prefers, preferred protocols is uh, is um, is like network and uh, uh, between x and tether are funding um, uh, a project that's called rgb to bring uh, digital assets on top of like network because i believe that only with a pure peer to peer network you are really scalable you are really uh, resistant to any type of attack so and purely from a, a academic and um, let's say beauty point of view you can that is the way to go so um I, I I'm investing a lot of my time in, in researching this in, in writing code around um, um, distributed um, uh, uh, exchanges and uh, in a peer-to-peer exchanges really and I believe that Bitfinex will have, will have a key role in the future uh, around this uh, but right now of course the major part of the business is still centralized not sure if I, that answered your question but uh, it, it's uh, quite broad um, uh, definitely. Topic. I, I'm known to ask high-level questions, but no, I think that was a very good answer and a great point to transition. Bitfinex is the leading exchange, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of existing exchange incorporating Lightning. Can you talk about that and um, what Lightning offers for your business? So um, Lightning Network is, um, as I said before, an amazing project. It's, it allows um, real scalability um, and um, almost almost limitless, right? Is is um, I believe a, a better approach than trying to execute uh, all the states on a single blockchain. Um, although you have smart contracts and you can run and around them as fast as you can, and although you can have sharding, I believe that at least this is my humble opinion. But from someone that is uh, quite <laughs> experienced in uh, in uh, in scalable application, that um, the p- pure peer-to-peer approach is uh, is uh, quite better and uh, and also is more salient to uh, any really huge scale attacks when it comes to imagine that ra- right now I mean there are not big problems globally apart well of course virus and so on but um, the, the, in a really disaster and apocalyptic scenario you you want really to have a pure peer-to-peer application where nodes are interlinked with each other, but then um, chunks of the networks can resist by themselves, right? So I really like that in the Latin network. I mean, is is how um, um, I believe um, second layer should be designed. It of course can be improved, and many um, talk about um, said that Lightning Network has been in beta or in a half mode for a long time, and that is for sure. But also, this type of technology requires a lot of a lot of investment in terms of people uh, brain brain power, right? So, I mean, things will uh, now we are seeing uh, Lightning Network uh, almost ready for for mainstream uh, adoption. One problem, of course, will be um, user usability and user interfaces and user experience. Now, uh, with Bitfinex, we decided to help Lightning Network to have a bigger push. So we decided to add a node and um, 
be the first big exchange because there were uh, other um, smaller exchanges, but we were the first big exchange to add deposit and withdrawals through Latin Network. And also we decided to prove how two businesses, one Bitfinex and one, one is Bitrefill, could settle business transactions between each other through Lightning Network. So we decided to go with jumbo channels and create really big channels that allowed us to settle big, uh, big and beefy transactions between Bitfinex and Bitrefill. When Bitrefill, for whom, for who doesn't know, is a... Um, uh, is a gift card, um, the leading gift card, a uh, crypto gift card solution where you can buy a gift card with crypto. So we decided to offer that as a service with Bitfinex and we wanted to prove that we, we could do settlements between the two companies. So um, send Bitcoin from one to another without really weird account, uh, complex accounting, but just basically... Um, uh, having Bitfinex sending um, Bitcoin to to be revealed by a jumbo chance, and um, crazy enough, we are seeing a big interest from from traders to to use Lightning Network as a, a as a settlement uh, um, um, layer for them to have faster arbitrage. So they they are interested to to you to experiment with us Lightning Network and trying to open really beefy and jumbo channels um, to, to try to uh, exploit the, the speed of Lightning Network and at the same time ex- so ex- being able to exploit um, the, uh, in a fast way the, the, the price movements. So um, if there are a couple of changes that decide to support Lightning Network, you can move uh, Bitcoin much faster rather than on-chain. And that will allow arbitrageurs to take um, to take better advantage of uh, of um, price discrepancies across exchanges. So that is a really really interesting um, model that we are starting to work on and experimenting, and that is really exciting. Honestly, I think that uh, it's very interesting and illuminating to have you on the show, just because you can kind of speak to so many important things that are going on in the crypto space. I'm curious, I want to bring this full circle back to Bitcoin, just because, you know, we've talking about a lot of different things, but we haven't really focused on Bitcoin. Uh, throughout this interview, you've kind of mentioned that uh, Bitcoin has a special place in your heart. Like, where do you see Bitcoin fitting in the future decentralized stack? And, uh, and even more, how do you see Bitcoin interacting with all of these different technologies that Bitfinex is playing with? I believe that Bitcoin is the, the perfect base layer. Um, I'm the, the kind of guy that uh, would not put um, uh, smart contracts directly on the base layer. So um, I prefer those uh, type of solutions um, uh, adopted on the second and third layer. I believe that Bitcoin is meant to be the, let's say, the base engine for a lot of uh, financial applications. Even the, the more, I mean, we are still in really early days for Bitcoin, but I can see how in um, in uh, years and years the, the the volatility will decrease while it will become a more st- established asset. So things will. Um, I believe that the fact that bit, that uh, the Bitcoin will become the de facto uh, currency for um, for for internet is uh, is for me is, um, is basically is what I'm I'm looking towards is is every application that I'm building is with that in mind. 
Um, of course, I'm keeping an eye of all the other blockchains. I mean, I've been uh, working on Ethereum for, for a long time. I mean, I, I like that, um, um, although I really love uh, Bitcoin, I like that there is a possibility of choice. There are different opinions. I'm not like um, I'm not really aggressive in the way I put my 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 opinions. I I can prefer something, and I let other people prefer other things, and 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 it's definitely fine. I can see advantages in 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 uh, in other projects as well. Um, but um, I believe that when it comes to Bitfinex, we are um, really interested in seeing um, in in focusing on uh, Bitcoin and Lightning Network technology uh, as um, as uh, the first and main uh, crypto uh, for our services in the future, without, of course, as said before, um, losing um, losing the opportunity to experiment on other blockchains. Uh, this was an awesome interview, Apollo. Thank you so much for coming on. For those who want to find you and uh, and reach out to you, learn more about you and Bitfinex, where can they find you? Uh, I'm mainly on Twitter, um, twitter.com slash Paolo Arduino. Um, I'm, um, you know, um, uh, you can make uh, some Italian jokes on me. I'm always laughing. I'm a nice guy. So uh, don't worry, right? I'm, I'm super open. Paolo, what is that Twitter handle? Uh, at Paolo Arduino. So name, surname, all, all um, linked together. All right. And we will get that into the show notes for the episode. Paulo, thanks for coming on POV. Really appreciate your time. Really love the story of the progress of Tether and Bitfinex, something that everyone should be paying attention to. You guys can follow the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. You can follow me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Bankless Christian. Thank you very much, guys, for having me. Thanks, Paulo. Christian, I think you're muted. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Paulo. It's a fool.